you know, man, we can go on and on because right. there are a lot of misconceptions out there about what the agreement is, is. between Chick-fil-A and the franchisee. Right. Um, and this is why I love doing opportunities like this is because coming up, I didn't know what owner operators to go out there and talk to to just hear. Um, but again, for those that are always interested, the number one thing that you can do is to get Welcome back to It Starts Now, the happy hour finance and business. My name is Stanley, and today I'm super excited. I got my boy Brandon that came to the building, and we are about to have this nice discussion about how he got started. It's interesting for me how <laughs> Brandon is actually started his career selling pickles down in Atlanta. <laughs> his mother's pickles, actually, and created this whole organic money making they, they used to call you what the the, the, the candy, candy machine the candy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and so now brandon is actually the first black person to own a chick-fil-a in brooklyn uh so that's a huge accomplishment and so we're going to talk about a lot of things one of the things we're going to discuss is how he got into the business how things got created and where he's at right now all right so now, Brandon, I'm glad to have you in the building. I really appreciate you taking the time out. I know it gets a little crazy um, running Chick-fil-A and other things that you got going on and other things that you plan on working on. Um, before we begin, please introduce yourself. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, man, Stanley, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be here. Um, I'm always humbled. And anytime I get an opportunity to kind of share my story, man, it's like, all right, it's another platform to kind of help impact and influence and uh, just share share my, my story and just where I am today with other individuals who may have walked in the same footsteps or right. may have a similar walk of life. So I'm always humbled, man. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad that you mentioned how I kind of got started um, selling pickles back in the day, yeah. man, because I grew up. In a single parent home, just my brother, my older brother and I. And um, when I was born, my mom was actually diagnosed with congestive heart failure. And so she was given a short life expectancy, short timeline to live. And I was grateful to have her till I turned 12. But me selling candy or originally starting with pickles was really just birthed out of an idea of just trying to survive. Right. Right. Just trying to help bring additional funds and income into the household mm -hmm. so that just like any other person, man, you don't want to see your mother struggle. Right. Um, and so I'm grateful that I always had this curiosity factor that right. was like, okay, well, let me do this. And so that particular day, man, she had, I don't know what came over me, but I just decided to sell those pickles to my friends in the neighborhood. <laughs> and uh, I remember she she comes home and she's like, Brandon, what happened to my pickles? First of all, I'm like, well, I got an older brother, so why don't you call me first? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I said, well, mom, I sold them to the, to my friends in the neighborhood. And she was like, well, how much did you sell them for? And I said, 50 cents. And next thing I know, she smacks me in the face. She's like, as big as those pickles were, you could at least sell them for a dollar. Right, right. And so I was like, okay, that's the number one. <laughs> Gotta have that markup. And so all I remember that day is chasing my friends down the street saying, hey, my mom said you owe me 50 cents more of those pickles. 
And that that gave us the idea to become the neighborhood candy lady, right. or candy house. And so in the South, that was very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of convenience stores on the corners and things like that. So it was us in the neighborhoods that was supplying and helping out each other. And again, going back to that curiosity factor, I had this huge, well, this hard shell green Ninja Turtles lunchbox. Right, and right. Before I would run out of the house, I would grab a handful of glow pops or Jolly Ranchers and sell them to friends at school. And before you knew it, I, I started to grow. Um, lost my mom in the sixth grade, but never stopped. Never stopped that hustle factor. Right, right. And um, by the time I graduated high school, man, I had two people working for me and was doing over three hundred dollars a day in sales. And so here's here's what's interesting about that. Right. That aspect of my story isn't necessarily like unique. Mm-hmm. Everybody out here has a like a grind hustle mentality. Yeah. But it's what you do with those stories and how mm-hmm. you move differently mm-hmm. that makes the difference. Yeah. I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and the key thing for for me is that I know every here's the thing that tie in all entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. There was something that started from young. And they can pinpoint where it started from. Mm-hmm. They said, this is when I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur, right? Because yeah. they don't re- recognize it at that moment, mm-hmm. right? Is until they start to connect them back backwards and they realize that that was probably the, the turning point. That was the turning mm-hmm. key for me to start that ambition. Even though as they grow up, they, real, they, they don't really tap into it. But once they get the ball rolling, it's yeah. like, Oh, I know where it stems from. Yeah. It stems from that. Man, once I got that that taste of again, like freedom, that right. autonomy of like, oh, I don't have to go to mom and ask her, can mm-hmm. I go to the store and get this? Or I don't right. have to go to, you know, my aunts and uncles and them and ask them, Can I can I get this? I got tired of hearing no and I can't afford and this is, you know, just just trying to grow from there. And once I got that taste, I was like, okay, right. I'm not looking back. I'm not looking back. Man, so. that's awesome. Listen, how did you uh, make that leap from, I know you went to school out in um, Alabama State. Alabama University. State, yes, right? sir. And you went. the mighty March of Hornets. <laughs> you already know. <laughs> but you were, in the, you were raised in East Atlanta. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. right. And then you decided to go to Alabama State. And then from there, um, tell us about that journey from how you made a connection with Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's very ironic that I grew up in Atlanta mm-hmm. and I knew nothing about the Chick-fil-A brand. Yeah. Right. Um, in fact, my boy, Jamarian, um, he's, um, he's the owner of the Glenwood store, which at the time would have been my closest Chick-fil-A that right. just opened several years ago. Right. Um, but it just opened. And so I actually got introduced to Chick-fil-A my sophomore year in college. Um, I was already working in the quick service industry. I was mm-hmm. already at some of our other competitors, McDonald's, Taco Bell's, typical college student, right? Looking mm-hmm. for part-time opportunity. But I had a frat brother, um, shout out to the Alphas, Alpha by Alpha. And um so it's funny because I was working at Taco Bell. I was the overnight supervisor. And so these guys would just come mess with me overnight. Right. Um, and so he just stopped one day. His particular frat brother was just like, yo, Brandon, Chick-fil-A is hiring for a marketing director role. 
I think you should go and apply. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, I'm not trying to build a career out of fast food. Right. I'm going to law school once I get done here. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, man, I, I just think that brand is a better fit. And so it's literally going in one end out the other. Right. And so had it not been for him applying the pressure of like, no, I think you would be a, a good fit. Mm-hmm. Just go talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly what I did. So I'm always up for a challenge. And I walked in after five interviews. It took me five interviews. That was that's the interview process. Interview process. Now, okay. now mind you, each Chick-fil-A is individually owned, so it may look a little bit different. But this mm-hmm. particular owner operator, it I, I think it took five res five interviews because they in fact told me, hey, at first we didn't believe anything on your resume. <laughs> For as young as I was right, right. and to accomplish all that. Yeah, to accomplish so you age. know, at an early age of mm-hmm. You know, from SGA president, I was a drum major in, in college in the band. Um, so I was just a leader in so many various student organizations. Right. And um, I remember right out of high school, I was one of the youngest interns at the Georgia Clayton County Public Defender's Office. Mm-hmm. And so my resume at that time was pretty healthy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I later found out, like, yo, that's why I took five interviews, because we just wanted to make sure you were who you, you said were. you were. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here's here's the catch after I did those interviews. They said, hey, man, we like what we see. Number one, we've already filled the position for the marketing director role. So I'm like, okay. okay. Number two, our philosophy here is we don't believe in higher external leadership, right? So we want you to join our team, mm-hmm. but you will have to start your way and work your way up. Our, our from ground level. From ground level. But what, break down what's ground level. A ground level is first day orientation, you're, you're learning how to make waffle fries. <laughs> yeah, so, and mind you, like I said, I was an overnight supervisor, so I was right. already responsible for a team. But I appreciated that because I tell people all the time, Chick-fil-A has served me several humble pies yeah. um, in, in, in so many different ways. And, and that was just the first of many, in right. a sense, um, because their approach on leadership and development was just totally different. Mm-hmm. And so I said, OK, challenge accepted. And for a period of time, I worked both jobs because I still didn't trust the whole Chick-fil-A process. It right. was like, all right, you're hiring as a team member, but across the street, I'm a manager. And. It's, it's funny because I hear that so many times now that the shoe is on the other foot. Right, right. And um, so started working there, man. I would literally get off for work at 6 a.m. in the morning, run across the street, change clothes, and open up at the Chick-fil-A right. uh, at 6.30. And did that for about four or five months before the fall semester started again. And knew I eventually had to let one of the jobs go, and I decided to let the Taco Bell go. Why? From day one, the culture at Chick-fil-A was just different. Different, right. Yeah. It, it, it was just different. I can't imagine how it is from the inside. I want you to describe that, but for me, from the outside, yeah, completely different. When I go there, it's always hospitable. It's always um, called by my name. It's always yeah. something that just stands out. But go, how is it yeah. from the inside? I mean, from the inside... It's really something that you can't necessarily teach, right? Mm. Those those mannerisms, just mutual respect. And like you said, 
I grew up learning one of the biggest ways to show loyalty and respect to someone is to remember their name. Their name. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It, but it's the principles. And, and I think the principles of the company are was embedded and, and started very well with, with Truett um, and probably before him. Mm-hmm. But it's just a testament to us remaining true to who we are. Um, and it's just common decency to treat everyone with honor, dignity, and respect. I like what you said. It's, it's, it's sticking to the core values, right? Yeah. And a lot of companies say they got core values, but it doesn't reflect mm-hmm. from the outside. Mm-hmm. You know, it, It's just a mantra that people use, Yeah. but it's not something that just stands out when you go into these establishments. Yeah. But the core value you guys have in Chick-fil-A, I actually feel it when I go and have that interaction. Yeah. Or whatever I'm making a purchase or anything. I just feel that, okay, this is something. And it, and the reason I feel this way is because it doesn't matter which state that I go to, to a Chick-fil-A, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's PA, mm-hmm. or even in, in New York, it's still the same yeah. concept. Yeah. One of the things I would tell you, man, like, Chick-fil-A has a very extensive and intensive like interviewing process for uh, their owner operators. Mm-hmm. And you asked me like, what was the, the major difference? I think one of the things to highlight was if you think about my story, I was actually interviewing with the actual owner of that okay. particular location. And right. so I think back those times I was working at some of the other restaurants I never knew who the owner was. Mm. Like, never got an opportunity to meet them. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you were in like upper management or leadership, mm-hmm. yeah. But me as a team member, never got that opportunity. And the fact that I, I was just having this conversation yesterday because I always try to keep a pulse with my team, and it felt good that one of my leaders was like, because uh, I asked him, I said, "Hey, I know we're we're extremely busy." And you guys haven't seen me like physically in the restaurant, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not working on the business. And Mm -hmm. I said, so how does that make you guys feel? And he said, well, I still feel like you're relatable. I still feel like if I need to, you know, connect with you, I can. It's not like you're absent. And I think that makes a difference. But that's the difference when you're a servant leader. Yeah. When they recognize that I can actually uh, go to this person, that this is a really an open door policy. Yeah. It's yeah. not as if like, you know, we say open door, but then the door is really closed. Yeah. But you're, you're, you're out there, you're visible. And then when you're not out there, your presence is still there because that's the value that you instill. And it's the culture that we create right. and, and that I desire. Like I always tell all of my leaders, that is a part of your responsibility. And going through business school, that wasn't necessarily something that was taught in the classrooms of like, yeah. I mean, now we hear a lot of those terms, emotional intelligence and all of those different things. But yeah, that's that's a part of your responsibility. It's not just you financially running the business or making sure that it's smooth operationally. It's comprehensive. Right. And a part of that is making sure you're being a good steward of what our culture is. That's true. So we're going to touch back on the emotional yeah. IQ, but, but go ahead, continue. Cause I want to know like that, that process of when, cause yeah. owning, owning a Chick-fil-A for, and, and I've done my research, right. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not an easy, it's probably a lot easier than, and than most franchises, mm-hmm. but the process, the process is a lot yeah. harder. Yeah. So I'll, 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 I'll frame that up for you. Okay. So Chick-fil-A um, and, 
and don't hold me to these exact numbers, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the last time, and you could probably research, go to Chick-fil-A.com, but I think they receive over 30,000 letters of interest or expression for ownership each year for only 80 to 100 selections. Yeah, Yeah. only 80 to 100. So the fact that I was able to accomplish that at the age of 26, you know, like, is is mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not the first either, mm-hmm. you know, to to do like I think of like my sister Ashley in LA, um, you know, Jeremiah, all of those cats that were have been in the game for quite some time. Um, you know, it's like we we exist. And um but, but the thing is from the outside is a lot of us don't know that yeah. we exist. Yeah. Right. And we don't know that it can be attainable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I remember last time we spoke and you said, it's really not hard. You know, you still got to put in the work, but Mm -hmm. you said to get it, it's really not hard. It's just that we have to have more of these conversations. Yeah. And and to, to like shine a little bit more light on that, what I mean by it's not hard, their barriers to entry are a lot lower than anywhere else. So when you think about the initial franchise fee, it's mm-hmm. about ten thousand dollars. And I'm looking at McDonald's because I, I did my research. You gotta have half a million, half a million. at least. Yeah. And, and, then, and liquidity. Liquidity. I was about and to liquidity. say that. Yeah. Like yeah. me coming out of college, where am I where uh-huh. do I have access to that kind of funds right, and capitals, right? right? right. Um, and so it was just a no-brainer. I think the essence in what Truett was after when he initially came up with the model was for, for him, it wasn't about how much money you have. I want someone character. that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want someone that is going to embody the same values that I have. And, and that's representative of my family and legacy to come. Right. Um, and so that was very important. Um, and so I understand why we have such a intensive, process um because it matters yeah it, it it really matters and so you'll go through if for those that are interested in becoming franchise owners um you'll go through a very extensive interview process i think the average time to from start to finish is about two years two years yeah and what happens because there's a five five step process for the interview yeah and then you go on bottom level, basically start from ground up. Well, but that's my journey. So okay. I want to make sure that's clear. You don't have to have restaurant experience okay. to, to be a franchisee. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just my journey um, that I decided to take. And it's to, quite, to be honest, like I think for anyone, you also have to know your why. Like just don't get caught up in the glitter of the brand Chick-fil-A. Right. Because at the end of the day, you're still a restaurant mm-hmm. and you're still a part of this multi-billion dollar industry mm-hmm. known as the restaurant and hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. And so just because we're Chick-fil-A, we're not immune to industry pressures, True. right? We're not immune from COVID factors. <laughs> like and, I, and I we got to deal that. with that That's all true. the time. I wanted to know, like, how did you guys survive during the COVID? Because I realized that you guys made such a transition from um, outside operation Mm-hmm. And you guys basically removed the in, indoor process, like the indoor dining, and went outside. Yeah, right? for for my particular location. 
uh, or several, uh, several, several yeah, yeah, locations. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed that. Are you guys going to stay this way or are you going to eventually? Because I do like the outdoor process because I could see a chick, I could be on a Chick fil A line and it goes a lot quicker mm-hmm. and the line is a lot longer than I go to another competitor right, of yours and the line would be shorter, but then it's taking such a long time. Yeah. Well, I would say, man, kudos to like, our leadership team. And that's one of the things that I love about the franchise system is because you're truly buying into a system that's been tried and true, right? Um, I always constantly look at the difference. If I was a, a brick and mortar restaurant, startup, small business company, a lot of times I'm out having to outsource different systems. But the beauty about buying into a franchise system is you're kind of buying into an already partnership, thought out partnership. And mm-hmm. so uh, the leadership at Chick-fil-A on the corporate side has already done kind of like the strategic thinking. So for us really going into COVID was really about tapping into the technology that already existed for us. So when you think about mobile ordering and the Chick-fil-A app, we had already had some of those key strategies in place well before COVID. Mm -hmm. If anything, it was about, hey, how do we switch from in-person and now turn on these channels and really just dedicate focus, leadership and attention to that area? Um, and so you ask the question of how did we survive? That's to me, that's it. Right. Like I think about my own restaurant. Um, you've been there. Like mm-hmm. we're we're kind of a, a new prototype where it's a, a inline concept. If you think about Chick Fil A, historically, what's been a part of their portfolios is the large standalone type restaurants with drive-throughs and massive parking lots. Mm-hmm. Well, here in New York City, that's not our approach. Right. Like so, all of my guests is foot traffic, walk in counter service. Mm-hmm. And so when we hit the pandemic, first, my first concern was, okay, safety and health of my team members. And right. how do we pivot? There were several times I contemplated about just completely shutting down. And so, you know, I approached my leadership and I said, how do you guys feel? If y'all tell me right now that we need to shut down, y'all mm-hmm. don't feel safe. That's the decision that I'm, a, that's the decision that I'm going to make. But as an owner-operator, you make the final decision. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, man, we can go on and on because there are a lot of misconceptions out there about what the agreement is between Chick-fil-A and the franchisee. Right. Um, And this is why I love doing opportunities like this is because coming up, I didn't know what owner-operators to go out there and talk to to just hear. Um, But again, for those that are always interested, the number one thing that you can do is to get in front of an operator and ask those questions. Right. right. Don't, there's not a whole lot of information out there on the internet. And oftentimes when you are reading it, it's right. misinformation. Correct. Um, so just do the research. And I'm again, like, that's why I'm glad I have these type of opportunities to kind of clear the air and right. hear it directly from someone from the source, that's, right. yeah, from the source. Um, so, but going back to Survivor and COVID, that, I mean, that was our play. And so when my leader said, no, like, we're we thought that we were going to see a decline in sales, mm-hmm. but here's where we had to pull ourselves up. In actuality, especially in New York, we're still a part of the larger food supply chain. Mm-hmm. I started to think about like the grocery stores that are in our areas that couldn't keep food on the shelves, right, you know, right, like right, or couldn't right. restock quickly enough. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of during that time. Man, we had so many first responders coming in just thanking us, you know, like for being open because they don't have time to go to the grocery stores and grab those things. And so 
when we started to see that change, it was like, okay, how do we tap into our already like mobile channels? Um, and I'm a huge, huge fan of the Chick-fil-A mobile app, man. Mm-hmm. For those that don't have it, you you think you're moving quickly, download that app, right? right. Um, and so for us, partnering with some of our third-party partners, um, DoorDash, Grubhub, and I'm pretty sure that's kind of been a, a part of the survival strategy for a lot of restaurants, even mm-hmm. mom and pop small businesses. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's needed. And it's one of those things like we're embedded in part of the American lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those things that you can just easily come in and flip off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I I know a, a lot of my peers that weren't as fortunate to, you know, remain open or just due to whether it was employee circumstances or whatever the case may be, right. they had to, to close down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just extremely grateful for the leadership of my team and also just the support of the Brooklyn community at large. Right. Um, because without those two parties, mm-hmm. we still wouldn't have been able to survive. And, and I'm glad you point that out because you guys are really part of the community. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing. How were you able to get into like um, downtown Brooklyn? <laughs> like, so you got a key that's like basically uh, prime real estate, right? Yeah, now. yeah. So uh, kudos again to uh, Chick-fil-A's internal leadership and their real estate team. Again, one of the reasons why I love just the dynamics and, and, and being in business, honestly, with the Cappy family as well, mm-hmm. um, is because it's it's credit to those guys. Like while I was, so my first franchise was located in downtown Baltimore. Right. And so um, at the time I had interest in coming to New York real estate market just wasn't ready. It wasn't mm-hmm. right. It just mm-hmm. didn't make sense. And so we have our own kind of internal real estate team. Like these guys are like gurus, experts. That ain't my wheelhouse. Right. right? So right, you right. gotta you gotta right. know your strengths and play to Absolutely. those. Absolutely. And right. play to those strengths. And so yeah. I actually thought Brooklyn was further down the development pipeline. You know, mm-hmm. we're opening up in Manhattan and all of those things and all at the same time I'm still trying to get my feet underneath me in, in Baltimore because that was the first city store in Baltimore. And right. so I'm still working through those challenges and, and, right. and trying to figure out how to make business work that way. And so again, kudos to just our internal real estate team um, that developed a really, really good relationship with the landlord that we had mm-hmm. um, because that that particular location was sought after by many, many different people. Um, But I think the advantage that we have as a brand goes back to what you were saying is the feeling. Like you don't feel like you're walking into a fast food restaurant, right? right? I consider, I oftentimes correct people when Mm -hmm. they try to call us fast food. I said, no, we're quick service, right? Mm -hmm. So consider you getting the four or five star dining experience, but it's just set up faster pace yeah and that's what we strive to deliver on that's true because i actually i did the research again and then uh, come to find out that chick-fil-a and and pardon me if i call it fast food but chick-fil-a is actually the healthiest Mm -hmm. and that's when i start to realize that you guys are more intentional about how you provide the food yeah for sure and i thought that was amazing yeah i'm from Fresh delivered produce every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had an opportunity to see the see behind the scenes how we source our uh, you know our chicken products and just that whole entire process. 
it's, it's like you would do if you were going to the store and you're buying fresh products and you're trying to prepare it in your home. Right, right. We adopt some of those same type principles. Um, and the relatability factor is what draws me in because I got to be able to stand behind a product and right. a brand that I too would consume. Right. Um, and so, again, it's just I've seen it from mm-hmm. different perspectives. So you had one in Baltimore and then you had one in Chicago. So my time in Chicago, I was actually, that was my very first like huge leap of faith. I'll tell you really quickly because I think that's so important, a part of my story. I actually was not chasing anything with Chick-fil-A, right? Mm -hmm. I I walked in that part-time opportunity, just like any other college student looking for a regular job opportunity. And it was another brother. So Chick-fil-A has this... um, they have what they call like a certified trainer program where current Chick-fil-A team members get an opportunity to go help train at other new restaurants. And right, so right, right. I was fortunate enough at that so time. So you're basically be, shadowing. Yeah. Okay. So you're basically you're shadowing and you're helping to grow the brand. And so mm-hmm. I got an opportunity to go to Chicago. And that's actually where I met another brother who's actually one of my uh, good mentors today, Travell Harvey. He's a highly, highly successful um, franchisee out in the PG County area. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I get up there to Chicago and he's like, all right, Brandon, what's next? Right. And same story. I'm like, dude, I'm about to go to law school. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to stay in this chicken business. Right, right. And, and so he sits me down. He's like, man, I, I think you, you just have so much potential. I tell you what, why don't you come up to Chicago and learn under me, like kind of learn a general manager. I can teach you about the business mm-hmm. and you see where it takes you. And at that, at that time, Alabama State had just offered to pay for my master's in accounting. Mm-hmm. And now I'm contemplating this offer, but there was also that lifelong dream of law school. And so my heart was already saying, like, you, there's just something about this brand that you love. Mm-hmm. And it's pulling on all of those heart passion, those heartstrings of business and entrepreneurship. So why not? What do you have to lose? Right. And so I took that faith, that, that leap of faith and Two weeks after graduating undergrad, I drove 14 hours straight to start a brand new life in Chicago. I I did. I, I never got that free master's. Right. I, I have an MBA, but I ended right. up having to pay for it. Um, but man, I, I could not have orchestrated this journey any differently uh, because I get to Chicago and essentially Chicago was a brand new market right. uh, for the Chick-fil-A brand. And so that's where I got a lot of my learnings in terms of just going into a new market, helping to grow the brand and introduce the brand um, to new consumers. And I just learned so much about my own leadership style of having to build and put together teams and help them understand uh, what we stand for as a brand, as a culture. Mm-hmm. Um, in essence, there are a lot of similarities between New York and Chicago in terms of just the market, the and, market right. and the market perception. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get there and I spent about two years as a director of operations for uh, one of the franchisees out there. And I'm still getting my MBA and I ended up hitting a wall. It was like, man, I'm a couple months away from hitting, getting my MBA like I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And so I'm talking and that's actually how I got connected with Chick-fil-A's leadership development program. Cause I called one of my good friends at the home office and I said, Hey, I'm just getting burnt out in the restaurant. Um, are there other opportunities? And so fly me down, go figure. 
I was originally interviewing for an accounting position. And this is another thing that I love about Chick-fil-A is their ability to be able to match you with your strengths, mm-hmm. right? So I'm interviewing for an accounting position in Atlanta and I get done with the interview. They say, no, they say, nope, we don't see you sitting down crunching numbers. We actually think you would be bored with that. Like you, you have a high personality that needs to be in front of people. Like we're actually developing this new leadership development program that I think you would be a better fit for. And so that's actually how I joined on the corporate side. And so I spent about almost three years traveling across the country, partnering with franchise owners to help them launch their businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was then where the light bulb finally went off. It was like, dude, you're helping others launch their businesses. Have you ever considered being an owner operator yourself? Mm -hmm. And to be honest, at the time, no. Because again, going through the typical business school, like we teach you how to be great CEOs and and, and great managers of other fortune companies. Right. Very often are you finding where they're talking about like small business and entrepreneurship. Now in this day and age, like I'm seeing a lot more business schools add that to the curriculum of, you know, small business ownership and entrepreneurship, which is, I think is a great thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But during the time that I was going through school, it wasn't, I didn't, I'm not going to say it did not exist. It just wasn't one of those things. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't like a major. Yeah. It wasn't the main thing. And, um, and so I'm, that's why I tell people I am forever grateful for the journey. And so Chicago from Chicago, I joined corporate, did corporate for about three years. Halfway into that, I get a call from my boss and she's like, Brandy, you know, Chick-fil-A is going to go to New York one day. And what I didn't share with you was I've always been infatuated with New York, even as a child, like yeah. I never visited New York, but I'm just going based off of, I'm a dreamer. Like, I'm right, like, right. ah, looking yeah. at TV like New York, and you hear all these stories, you hear the saying, oh, if you make it in New, if you you can make can it make in New it York, then you can make it anywhere. And so had I gone to law school, the, the, the plan was go work on Wall Street, be some big corporate lawyer or whatever the case may be, but God saw otherwise, man, and it was Chick-fil-A. And so I got that call from her, and I'm just overwhelmed with excitement. Like, man, God, is this she saying I still make it to go to New York? But yeah. I just may be selling lots of chicken and not <laughs> practicing law. And sure enough, it, again, it was still a process mm-hmm. because, mind you, I had to spend five years, almost five years, in Baltimore right. first. Right. And again, I, I, I love that experience that I had in Baltimore mm-hmm. uh, because 26, running a multi-million dollar business. And Talking about like having to learn so much about yourself and leading people, leading teams, dealing with vendors and just self-leadership because you have to, when you have that level of responsibility, Mm -hmm. you just have to move differently. You do. And and there's just, there's no textbook that can can teach you. It's pure experience. Yeah. It's pure experience. The, the thing is, when I see people um, start a company and they they talk about, oh, I'm going to be leading my team, and, and you're starting from scratch, mm-hmm. your business or your product can do very well, or you can have a great product. Let me put it this way. You can have a great product, and, and it can potentially do well, but if you don't know how to lead a team, oh, man, it's not going to take well. I see so many small businesses fold because of that factor right there. So important. It's, it's so important. Even when you're going in and you're listening to people pitch their ideas, you start asking, all right, talk to me about your team. 
And they look like, uh, well, what team? What team? What team? Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. At some point, you're gonna have you're gonna have to hire other individuals to help you see this vision all the way through. It, it won't grow. It won't. It, here, it won't. Here, here's the thing: is that's the first thing. Besides the, you know, a lot of people look at the revenue, right, mm-hmm. and see, all right, show me some numbers, and then they go mm-hmm. to the team. Yeah. I first thing I ask for, show me your team, and then we go to the numbers. Yeah. Right? Because if your team, if I'm looking at your team, I remember somebody, I mean, I get a lot of pictures all the time, but I remember somebody sent me something over, and the deck looked amazing, right? Mm. And I'm reading it, and then once I got to their team, and I said, no, I'm okay. Mm. And they were like, why not? It's like, because I'm looking at your team, and I just don't see the, the experience there mm. to for your level of Dream the level that you're trying to get to, and, and that's and that's yeah. what people often overlook. They we focus so much on the now, and it's like okay, you still got to carve out time to to think about the future. Can you? You got a really good product, right? But what happens when it starts to scale? You are not prepared because you don't have the adequate team to help you think. Long Great leaders serve, and a part of that is being able to see. The future, right, and, and see and shape the future and yeah. what that looks like. Yeah, and so a part of that being able to get from point A to point Z is everything else in between. And are you anticipating meat, that? That meat and potatoes. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I, I think like you can have a great body of work, but if you really look at within the body of work that you created, no matter what scale of business, that, I mean, what business that you're in. Mm-hmm. Nine out of ten times, if you look at that body of work, it's because you had a great team. You yeah. had a team that helped you mm-hmm. get to that point, right? Mm-hmm. And it takes a great you. And I said this all the time: you could have a great team, and your leadership could be subpar, and you'll get through mm-hmm. because your team is amazing, mm-hmm. right? But if you don't have a great team, and this is what you're dealing with, yeah, then you have to be an amazing leader because you're gonna have to motivate. You're gonna have to mm-hmm. like find ways to to get them to the point where they see the vision, see the goal, and want to attain it. There's a lot of things that come in place, and that's when you have to become that, that servant leader and say, "All right, this is no longer about me. It's how can I get my team to that point? Mm-hmm. Then we can all scale together." Yeah, and believe it or not, that servant leadership concept is a universal language it is right but we're just now starting to talk about it um especially in our community all right um, and, and going going back to the emotional iq tie mm-hmm. that in because as a servant leader your emotional iq should be high enough where you can understand if somebody the difference between somebody yelling at you or somebody yelling because they're frustrated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but go ahead and and Believe it or not, like this whole, like we just attacked or attached an elaborate name on what we've already been taught to do as children. Mm-hmm. And that's to be aware of our emotions. When you hurt, you hurt. When you cry, you cry. When you're angry, you're angry, mm-hmm. right? And so that's all emotional intelligence is, is your uh, ability to be able to come in and recognize those things and then make decisions right. based on, on those things. Yeah. And, and make decisions based on those things. And mm-hmm. so... What that's one of the things that I've learned, uh, you know, through with my time in Chick Fil A, is to be able to harness those skills because they were already there. It's just enhanced and made those things better. And I've had to because I think about 
my time in Baltimore, I went from a team of 60 to now I'm here in Brooklyn. And by the end of this year, we'll probably be at 200, 250. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a huge difference. Like yeah, my team is yeah. almost quadruple. And right. just and these are direct reports or these are just... Uh, th- no, this is from regular team members, the, the, the front counter mm-hmm. cashier, all the way up. You know, it sounds as if Chick-fil-A is developing leaders, Mm -hmm. right? And then putting them in a position to run an operation, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because all I'm, this is what I'm hearing. And this is what I'm taking in is that, all right, they find somebody that has a good character, Mm -hmm. help mold them, help develop them. Like, like, as you said before, you, you receive several humble pies. And now they put you in a position, okay, you're ready to run your own operation. Yeah. Yeah. And is that in a nutshell? It's is that in a nutshell. And one of the things that I also want to make sure that we go back and capture character, I always say, think of like the iceberg, right? Mm-hmm. I always tell people what sank the Titanic. It was the 80% of the iceberg that they could not see. You can see the tip, right? And to me, the tip is the skills. You still gotta know how to come in and run a business, right? Because mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we're not where we are as a brand right, right, right. just from, yeah. oh, my pleasure. Right, no? People would look at entrepreneurship differently. When we discussed this earlier, but mm-hmm. people look at it as if like everybody can do it. And mm-hmm. I, I'm speaking to entrepreneurs like that. It is. Yes, it's possible that everybody can do it. Mm-hmm. It is possible. But not everybody is willing to sustain the journey yeah. enough to do it because it is hard work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize how much work you put independently. Yes. Before you transition mm-hmm. to like scale, scaling with a uh, yeah a team. Man, when I when I first started, and again, I thought I came in with Chick Fil A experience because we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, people the, one of the biggest misconceptions out there is that people think that you have to have worked for Chick Fil A before I was one of them. Yeah, before you before you own a, a restaurant. Mm-hmm. In fact, the whole time that I was on corporate, the franchisees that I was supporting, 90% of those individuals had never owned a restaurant. Like I, I remember one time I was consulting and supporting a franchisee that was a, a retired general. And again, I'm I'm talking about this guy, his secretary typed everything for him. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, it's it's those are the type of individuals that are in the candidate pool. Um, and so you don't necessarily have to have restaurant experience, but what you do have to have is your ability to be able to come in and take something that's very high level and get that 14, 15, 16 year old to buy into that vision and mm-hmm. say, Hey, I want to get behind this because those are the individuals that are working behind the counter. Right. Those are the right. ones that are serving the the warm, friendly smiles and the my pleasures. Right. Um, and believe it or not, that's hard for some people. Oh, especially with the world we in now. Yeah. You got have access to so many things. So much. Yeah. I call it the popcorn generation. Right. We want it. And, you know, some people may argue that I may be a part of that yeah. generation. But, um, you know, you, you, you learn because, again, I needed to go through the experience to understand, like, now... I'm a person of patience yeah. and, and, and like, yeah. okay, yeah. slow and methodical right. is, is the way. So it's, I love that you said that because mm-hmm. my wife, right. Um, 
something something will go wrong mm-hmm. and she's like jumping on it we gotta do we gotta we gotta fix it we gotta do this and i love that about it right because she's proactive and but she'll look at me because i'll take my time and she's like what are you doing what's going on and i was like i'm thinking it through <laughs> yeah and she's like what do you mean this is this and i was like yeah but give me a day let me sleep on it let me think it through because i realize it's great that and, and i love that about it because then it keeps me on point, mm-hmm. but I I know from experience, yeah, that when you rush into trying to solve something, you may create another problem, yeah, or there may be a better solution, yeah, than the one you have currently. And I, and I can be a true testament. My story is a true testament of that because I was gung ho about coming to New York. I was very gung ho about like let me be one of the first ones. And mind you, I'm still in my early my, my early twenties. And I'm going through the interview process with Chick-fil-A. And I'm essentially trying to argue the, the case of why this 20-something-year-old with absolutely no business ownership experience, why I should be granted an opportunity to own one of their biggest stores in, in, in their portfolio. Right. But one, I, I think, that showed drive and determination. I didn't realize how much I needed to be in Baltimore until I realized I needed to be in Baltimore. Yeah. But that's in hindsight. And that's in hindsight. Mm-hmm. But now I'm able to go and share that experience with others because it was like, I wasn't ready for some of the challenges. Coming up, you gotta be ready. You gotta have your, your big boy drawers in, in on to play in New York. Like, yeah. big time. Yeah. And I can confidently sit here and say, had it not been for my experience in Baltimore, I would have been <laughs> like, come save me out of the big man. Come save yeah. me out of the big man. And so I'm forever grateful for for that experience. Um, and one of the things that I also tell people is you can't rush the process either. Yeah. One of the beauties about why I am glad that my journey went the way that it did was because oftentimes I had a, the opportunity to learn on someone else's dime yeah. and to make mistakes Thanks. that had I been making those mistakes on my own dime, that could have made the difference yeah. between... Do I got food? Can I afford to put food on the table? But I was grateful that I was under the umbrella of someone else who gave me the opportunity because that's one of the biggest things that I hear from the younger generation. Again, popcorn generation. They're like, oh, I want to do it on my own. I want to to go do it now. And it's like, chill. It's like, slow down. down. Because it may behoove you to go make your mistakes while some other company is paying for it. And they can cover you. My intern... And she's amazing, by the way. Mm-hmm. But she's like gun ho, gun ho. Yeah, she wants things to happen right now, and she gets frustrated. Mm. She gets frustrated when it doesn't like. And I and I have to explain this right. The expectation that we put out there starts from us. Mm. Like it start it stems from us. Mm-hmm. This is the expectation we put out there, and either we're gonna rise above that expectation or we're gonna fall on, under that expectation. Yeah. But the expectation comes from us. Right, because mm-hmm. nobody knows us. Right, mm-hmm. we we come out there, and now the expectation, based on what they see, that's the bar for us. Mm-hmm. Right, because mm-hmm. we're just coming out, so that's the bar for us. Yeah, and I had to explain to her. I said, "There's no reason to rush, because if we leave, if we set up the expectation, we set the bar here. Now, only thing we have to do is just get better mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. Just get better every day. Yeah, that's it. We just we don't have to rush it and scale immediately, but at least we get better every day. And and the reason I bring her up because she's like 
so gun ho about getting things done. And I'm, and I'm trying to explain to her, this is your opportunity to make as much mistakes as you can, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm okay because we're trying to find a, a certain thing that we're looking for. So I'm always open to opportunities to learn something new. Mm-hmm. I'm always open to, hey, let's try something. Yeah. Right? This is your opportunity to try as many things as you want. Mm-hmm. And then when you, you know, we would love to keep her, but if she decides to go someplace else, yeah, this was her canvas. This is where she was. Yeah. Drawing, making mistakes, wiping things off. This was her canvas. To, yeah. So now she could just ex- extrapolate that and go someplace else. Yeah. Right? So a lot of young people don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. And because they want um, they want things to happen right off the right off the bat, I have to always wheel her back in and say, listen, you're doing great. Only thing you have to do is just continue to work on your canvas and mm-hmm. right? continue to get it better. And as you get it better, you don't have to worry about it. You can always go someplace else or yeah. whatever you want to do. That's okay. But at least you're learning. Yeah. Right. And you, you're gaining that experience in. And then you're going to take your time and then develop. And it's just like anything, right? Because if you set the foundation from now, right? These are like the pillars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're building, right? You've got the pillars or you got the framework. Yeah. Right. And then you just start to build or, or you know design it the way you want to design it yeah but you gotta it has to stem from someplace mm-hmm. and that's the problem when when we're young and and here's the thing i hear a lot uh it's this it's this new culture right and these millennials right yeah but i remember when i was gonna hold when i was younger yeah so it's like we always hey, we always yeah. it the yeah end. and then our parents used to just like slow down or you in a rush for yeah so that's the same thing i'm telling them now Slow down, mm-hmm. like you know. There's no rush. We're we're, we're gonna we're playing the long game, mm-hmm. right? And we need to get that. We need to understand that we're not playing a short game. This this like a final destination. Mm-hmm. And I remember we had somebody on the show that said that. He said that like the book doesn't end until you die, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very powerful because it's true. The chapters continue. Yeah. Right, because mm-hmm. the book doesn't close until you die. Yeah. So we have enough time to make corrections. Yep. And and just keep improving and just growing little by little. And I thought that was like, oh, I'm, uh, yeah. But yeah. I'm glad you share that because a lot of us are that way. We 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 are gun ho in the beginning, and then as you get older. For me, mm-hmm. from my experience, and what helps me is the fact that I may need a day. Yeah, to process everything for a better option. And maybe not, there probably is no better option. Yeah. But at least I thought it through and said it like. And, and, and let me clear this up for those millennials out there yeah, that may be listening and yeah. think, oh man, they bashing us. Mm. It's, it's, it's not that. Mm. I, I think, I think Jimmy Collins in his book, Creator Followership, mm-hmm. um, where he talks about, I would much rather have a Mustang than a mule. And I think that's very important, right? You can liken the younger generation of, oh, I want it now. Let's just yeah. get out there and turn me loose. I get that. But you also got to make sure that you know when when the right time to heed and, mm-hmm. and to listen. It's like, we're not trying to say, like, keep you back. No. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just, hey, sometimes the great wisdom would say, like, slow it down, incubate here a right. little bit, right. and then go on to right. the next one. But it's also not okay to be the opposite, which is the mule. 
And so when you think like I'd rather have a Mustang than a mule is a mule is not going to move until it wants to move. Right. You right. can kick it, push yeah, right, it, right, do all right, those other right, things. Right, right. And it still yeah. is not going to move. Yeah. A Mustang it's already out there running right, wild. Right. It's nature yeah. wants to run wild, wow. but you can harness the power of the Mustang. Well, you can harness the experience. I mean, you can harness the power of the Mustang, but the experience of the mule. Mm. Right? Because okay. I think I think in every company, you need both. Yeah. It's a balance. It's a balance. It's a balance. It's a balance. Yeah. Because you need somebody that's going to go out there and gain this new, bring in this new innovation. Mm-hmm. bring in these new ideas mm-hmm. but then you're going to have the, the mule types it's going to be the experience that could process through those experience those those innovations that could process through those that say hey yes this is great let's let's break it down in phases mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. instead of let's just shoot when somebody when somebody young brings in an innovation it is amazing to have that in your company mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they they're introducing you to something new yeah right a better way of processing things, a faster way. Yeah. Right. And then you're like, oh, I love this. Mm-hmm. Right. Now let's incorporate it. How do we, how do we integrate this new process with what we got going on? Right. Yeah. So now we start to inject it into our company. Now we're moving fast. Yeah. So it's great to have that, but then you have somebody that's gonna control it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like you have that run, 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 and then there's a coach like, yes, but if you Run here, pause mm-hmm. here, take a shot here, then okay. you'll be able to last longer. And that's what it is. I think every company needs to have a combination of both. You yeah. can't have all young people and no experience. Well, that's true. That's right? true. Yeah. And you can't have a whole bunch of experience but not no new innovations coming in. Mm-hmm. Then you become like the dinosaurs and you move slow. Yeah. Right? So I think that's... Uh, yeah, we could we could talk about this yeah. for days. Oh, oh, yeah. All day, yeah. yeah. I mean, just di- different concepts. Different concepts, yeah. but I, I just think that you need uh, you need a combination of both. Mm-hmm. All right, this was amazing. Before we end this, um, I know a lot of young people, a, a lot of young branders that really want to know: um, Am I able to get a franchise? Is this for me? Mm-hmm. Can I create this opportunity? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you had something strong to say to get people started, yeah, all right, and I want you to tie in somehow, like you know, financially, how could it benefit them? Because in this world, we still want to know how it's going to yeah. benefit us financially. But if just share with something that to get them started, yeah, one of the things that I would say um, as you're considering like franchisee system, period, not just a, a Chick Fil A, because franchising doesn't just necessarily mean restaurant either right and so you ask several different questions and i want to try to address them all okay is it possible to franchise i think it's possible for anyone to franchise right you before you can make that decision i think it's very prudent to try to understand your purpose and your why right going to the thing about chick-fil-a chick-fil-a is not for everyone our business model is not for everyone, right? I, my purpose and my why supersedes the reason why I wanted to partner with Chick-fil-A, right? It wasn't the other way around. Right. I wasn't chasing a dollar. Um, now, don't get me wrong. You talk about the financial opportunity. I think there's good, I'm afforded a lot of autonomy 
and to be able to do things the way that I want to do it and create legacy for my family to come, my current family. I'm in a really, really good position. But before I could even be prepped and ripe for that opportunity, I had to make sure from a financial perspective that I was being a good steward what was already entrusted to me. From a, a credit perspective, one of the things I tell my young leaders now is essentially, if you didn't have a dime or any kind of cash, your credit is all who you are. Your credit can be used as a currency of trade. And what I mean by that is that's how you build your credit worthiness. That's how you're building trust. Essentially, your credit is, hey, do I have the ability to take on some type of debt? And can I honor my word and pay it back? Right. Right. And so don't mess that up. Right. Don't do not mess that aspect of it. Make sure that you're learning how to budget because that's so important mm -hmm. right now, even even with the, the minimum wage paying jobs or whatever the case may be, like have some type of budgetary mindset. That's going to carry you a long way, long way a long yeah. way financially. Um, and what, what was the last question? Just this is since, something that, to get them started. Like, what would you say to really get the, the, the young people out yeah. there to start? Ah, man, it's, it's crazy because I was just sharing this with a, a younger college student yesterday. Um, don't just dream big, be big. Mm. And so the essence of that statement is in all that you do, do it with a high level of excellency, right? I think if you consider my story, I remember, I can recall a time where I was in Chicago and I felt like I was severely underpaid. There was a time, even when, even after that, that, that college degree, mm -hmm. right? I was still making in Chicago market almost like minimum wage. I had to earn and, and earn that trust of, of that, of my boss to say, okay, yeah, like I got to make this individual see my value. But if I was just so caught up on, oh, I didn't get the, I didn't get the finances. They didn't pay me what I was worth. Mm -hmm. The experience that I got from that, the experience, and hear me, hear me clearly. I'm not saying go out there and sell your shelves. Sell yourself short. Mm -hmm. That is not what I'm saying. But don't overlook the fact that you are still going to be able to need and get experience so that you can elevate yourself further whenever you get to that destination. Right. Right. There is not a price tag that you can put on making mistakes on someone else's dime and just the sheer experience that you get from some of these opportunities. And that's where you kind of get your start. Right. I, I tell my team members when they come in and they do orientations for me, I know you're not going to be with me forever. Right. In fact, you can't be yeah. with me forever. Yeah. Right. This is yeah. not. Unless we start to grow and you become into that company. But, go but I want you to make that decision. Yeah. Right. I'm not. I, at the team member level, I'm not hiring you as a career team member. No. I'm sorry. No. Right. No. There are going to be things that you're yeah. going to come into my organization yeah. and get. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to be on your way so that you can go out into the world and truly step yeah. into what you were supposed, supposed to be to doing. Do. And I expect that. Yeah. I expect that. I expect that you learn, grow, develop. And for me to go out there and feel like my job is complete. Yep. 
Yeah. yeah I did my part. Yeah. So, man, I, I guess to, to sum all of that up, when individuals are just looking to get started, I would say your true north is try to understand what your purpose is. So one of the things I, I sometimes I make individuals do is do a diagram, and a Venn diagram, right? You know, you have comparison, contrast, and yeah. where they're lying in the middle, that's where you're operating. So I always say you take your gifts and your skill set, right? Gifts, talent, skill set. Because there, I do believe that there is a difference, mm -hmm. right? Um, and where those two align, you either do one of two things. You create opportunity or you take advantage of opportunity. Mm. right so gifts and talent mm. skill set because skills you can go out there and hone i consider or i liking your gifts and talent is this something that you would enjoy doing or that you can do even if you don't get paid for it and where those two align that's where you again you create opportunity or you take advantage of opportunity and i think if you spend time in that arena, thinking that through first before you just jump out there, you'll be uh, you'll be further off than a, uh, a lot more other individuals. That's dope, man. Thank yeah. you so much, man. Absolutely. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you having me, man. <laughs> right, it's, man. It's definitely been an honor, man. Thank you, man. It's, it's, I learned a lot today too. So for sure, I appreciate it. Um, just one final thing: just let people know where they could reach you at. Yeah, absolutely. You guys can definitely for all Chick Fil A things. Chick-fil-A, Flatbush in Atlantic. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. If you're trying to connect with me uh, personally, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, and and definitely Instagram. Hash, uh, what is it? Life of Just V. Um, that's that's my Instagram. Forgive me. I'm still kind of new on it. Uh, <laughs> but if, if that's where you want to follow me, that's where you can find me. All right. Um, that's it for me and our guest, Brandon Hurst. And we definitely, definitely Appreciate you guys tuning in. This was an amazing conversation. I got a lot of insight on, um, and I hope you got a lot of insight too when it comes to becoming a franchise. And if that's something that you would like, please reach out to Brandon. Um, he's more than willing to give out his uh, feedback. And like he said, he's out there for the community and he's been out there for a while now. So we just want to welcome him some more into the New York State, you know? Yeah. Thank Appreciate you, sir. brother. Yes, All sir. Right. Have a good night.